Ask Shannon if there's any drivers that she hates. And I guarantee you that there, she will have a list of them. That she's just like, oh yeah, this one driver that wrecked you one time. And you're like, dang, I got over that forever ago. Like, I like that guy. He's cool. I don't know. All right. Well, should we start this thing? Should we just do it? Wing it? We're just going to wing this one. Let's just do it live. All right. Doing it live. Hello. Welcome to Money Lap. I'm Parker Kligman, joined as always by Landon Castle. This is our podcast about all motorsports. As always, check out the Money Lap newsletter at themoneylap.com. Three times a week, Monday morning highlights, news and fun stuff on Wednesdays, news and fun stuff on Fridays. Uh, But Landon, we start with the PR lap. And this is where we get to talk about ourselves, our own racing and everything. And just real quickly on the newsletter, though, uh, we are approaching a landmark amount of subscribers. We continue to grow massively. And people are engaging with it at record numbers. So pretty cool to see all that. Uh, But we've got the Firecracker 400 tonight. So if you're listening to this, because it will come out Wednesday morning, we have the Firecracker 400, our massive sim race, the biggest sim race in America Maybe, I think, the biggest private sim racing event in the world, in my opinion, because it's just cooler than everything else out there. Um, Thrustmaster Firecracker 400, 10 night, 43 starters vying for one of the biggest prizes. Pretty cool. Yeah, and if you're looking for a Thrustmaster T818, their new direct drive wheelbase, uh, we got a little uh, surprise for you because there will be a discount coming your way. So uh, code FIRECRACKER. I think all capital letters, you'll get 10% off the new Thrustmaster T818. So that's code Firecracker. So check that out. Love that. That's awesome. And we've had a really amazing run up to here. You know, this starts three weeks ago, basically, uh, with the prelims. Over 360 competitors that went down to 88 who did second round or first and second round qualifying. There was controversy, there was wrecks, there was drama which led to the Firecracker 200, where we reserved the right as uh, promoters to have a promoter's provisional for the Firecracker 400. This year, we elected to allow the winner of the Firecracker 200 to come to the Firecracker 400, and it was Michael Cozy Jr., defending 2021 champion of the Firecracker 400, winning the 200 to get in the big main show. So he'll start the back um, and see if he can become a repeat winner. So pretty cool, awesome story. He's got a huge following, so that was cool to see. But yeah, tonight, 8 p.m. or 7.30 for the pre-race on twitch.tv slash eraser underscore GG. Watch it all there. We'll be there on the broadcast, and it's going to be awesome. So Firecracker 400, come check it out. We'll be back in our suit and ties and (laughs) put on a good show. It's going to be great. We get tons of great storylines. you know, it is pixel car racing, but there are humans involved. So a lot of good human storylines, a lot of excitement, a lot of emotion around this event. Uh, we just love putting it on. It may be virtual, but it's not fake. It's real racing. So uh, with That's that, right. <laughs> yeah, thanks. By the way, we've not prepped for this episode at all uh, because we're so busy. So <laughs> bear with us. We're gonna, you maybe not even notice a difference, in which would be sad because uh, we sometimes put a lot of effort in these things. Anyway, we've got uh, 89 reviews on Apple, 
which means we're 11 from our goal of 100. Come on, people. Tell your friends, family, your family's friends, and your family's friends, friends, family to review this podcast, listen to it. But we did get one five-star review uh, that was pretty funny. It said, two wild and crazy guys. Sorry, couldn't help myself. Landon <laughs> Parker have great insight and have enjoyed a have en- I've enjoyed a look from their perspective. Five stars, guys. Uh, from Jay Friss, 1964. So we love that. Spotify, we've got 50 reviews with an average of five stars, um, which is nice. And Brett Silver, who said my an average of five stars. Yeah, we're, that's, bad. we're five stars. That's like stars a perfect record. Me. We're perfect. No, we're literally perfect out of five. Yeah, so we're perfect on a – we only have five stars on Apple too. So, I mean, we're crushing it. Obviously, if you listen to this, if you've come and, and – you know, actually dove into an episode. It seems like we're keeping you around. We have great retention. Uh, Brett Silver, my eight-year-old son would love to run a money lap sticker on his cart, and he would be more than happy to just get a five-second mention on the show if he won. Love what you guys are doing. Hey, Brett, tell your son he just made it on the show. There you go. <laughs> we'll kind of come up with stickers. Good luck. Good luck. Um, and some love for the uh, Thrustmaster T18, T818 that we talked about. Uh, from some people that were commenting on YouTube about that. Love to see that. Um, and we also got some more YouTube comments. One saying, hey, oh yeah, they would, they'd love to see you racing again, man. Oh, man. I would. I definitely would. Uh, all love, Landon. Favorite, forever my favorite driver. I hope to see you race again. Get that win you deserve. I can only imagine how hard this last year has been on you. Yeah. I mean, it's been nice spending time with my family at home, but I do kind of miss the racetrack and I would love to be back. I'd love to be in victory lane. I'd love to make a, you know, if nothing else, my loyal fans deserve a, a, a race win diecast. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah? Parker? Where, where would they get that? If you did that? Yeah. Oh, well, if you're a fan of NASCAR and looking to add to your diecast collection, look no further than SpoilerDieCast.com with one of the largest inventories in the industry and a focus on NASCAR as well as diecast for dirt, sprint cars, IndyCar, and F1. You're sure to find the perfect addition to your collection. And don't forget about their pre-order system, which lets you secure your favorite diecast with a zero down, zero dollar down option. Plus, all orders ship same or next day with free shipping on orders over $20. And if you use the promo code MONEYLAP, you'll even get free shipping and 5% off all orders. So, what are you waiting for? Head on over. Well, you could be waiting for me to win and get my race win diecast, but <laughs> don't worry about that. Not yet. Head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com. Start building your winning collection today. Love it. Well done. I'll be at Spoiler Diecast. When you win that race, I'll be one of the first buyers as well, just so you know. So, Speaking of racing, I did some racing this past weekend. Uh, Once again, we're in the PR laps where we talk about ourselves for an exorbitantly long amount of time. Um, I did the truck race and the Xfinity race. And the truck race got to the top five, but didn't have the speed to stay there. We just didn't have the speed all weekend in our Henderson Motorsports Chevy. It was awesome. It had tied and downy all over it. It looked cool, but it just wasn't that fast. I thought we were going to get a top ten out of it until Hosevar threw it three wide on the bottom uh, into turn one on a restart, and which never has worked in the truck since they've been going to Pocono and didn't work once in that race for anyone, especially <laughs> at the front. And sure enough, cleared himself into the one who cleared himself or just smashed into me and smashed us in the wall. So wasn't happy about that. Nope. Um, Xfinity, we had a really great car, at least a top 10 car, in my opinion. We passed a lot of cars at the beginning of the race. Uh, so I had a bit of a subpar qualifying effort. And then 
Uh, we played some alternate strategies, got ourselves into position where we'd finish like sixth or seventh um, if it went green. Then there was cautions, which uh, played into the hands of the 21 and the 98, who were most definitely not going to make it if it went green, um, and had us sort of have to restart with new tires back in like 15th or 16th, something like that. We got back to the top 10, finished ninth, um, was passing a bunch of cars when they threw the caution again on the last lap. But um, overall, solid weekend. It's just we lost points to the 98 because he got they, they worked that field strategy and made it to the end. Um, but it's okay. We only lost a couple, so we're still in this. Heading to Road America, which I'm super pumped about. I think it's an opportunity to go win, so that would be cool. Um, but, yeah, it was, and then I did the broadcast on Sunday, which I felt good about. It was a solid broadcast. I actually felt like the first half of the broadcast, to be honest, was my first pit reporting of the year uh, since the Rolex 24. And, like, I nailed everything I did for the first half, and I was like, I am the best. And then <laughs> I had this, like, lull where I think my – amount of racing i did and everything i've done that weekend caught up me and like my blood caught sugar dropped what's that um, yeah so my, your blood sugar was down something like that and i had like it was right in the midst of like stage three's most important section of the stops as the strategies are all played out and it's funny like when you have these super strategic races like this and you suddenly have to like really be in tune with five or six different strategies happening across 12 or 14 cars uh, you can get a little messed up. And I had like one second where I was like, wait, what is this? What strategy is this car on? Even though I have like notes I'm taking through, it's just, I don't know. Sometimes your brain just over three and a half hours, four hours goes in and out. And I, I was like, I had to drink a Coke real quick and like get myself back in the game. So that was, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then, then we finished strong. So it was, it was a solid broadcast in that sense, but it was a long weekend. I headed home to Connecticut after that, which was nice. And, uh, yeah, I think it was overall a successful weekend. If we could have finished in the top ten in trucks, I would have called it a really successful weekend. So we'll be back in the truck at Bristol. Um, and then, obviously, you know, we head to Road America. You, uh, you know, you should have uh, brewed a pot of coffee. You know, that is correct. When you I did have, were feeling well, down. Well, see, what got me and made me so smart for the first half was that, of course, when I woke up, I had Four Sigmatic Think Coffee which, funny enough, is a supporter of this podcast. The coffee I've talked about having that I love so much, that was the coffee I had in the morning. I'm sure that's what powered me through most of that day on about six hours sleep and after racing two races the day before and burning 5,000 calories, uh, according to my whoop. Um, <laughs> and you know what? I also have Four Sigmatic coffee for. So when you're listening this Wednesday morning, I will have already been up for about three hours because I'm going to have to get up at about 3.30 in the morning on Wednesday to fly down to North Carolina because I'm still up in Connecticut right now. I'm going to do simulator all morning. We have some meetings. I've got another meeting in the afternoon, and then we're going to do the Firecracker 400 broadcast that night, probably to around, what, 11, 11.30. So it's going to be a long day. And, of course, I'm going to have Four Sigmatic Think Coffee. If you would like to try Think Coffee from Four Sigmatic, which I find to be the best coffee, and it's made me smarter, which you might be wondering, well, how does it do that? It's because it's infused with functional mushrooms that work to wake up your mind. They say people feel the effects in as little as seven days. I even use, as you've heard me talk about, their vanilla plant-based protein and their Focus products. If you want to try this and their Think Starter Pack, which is 40% off, then using the code MONEYLAP, it'll be another 15% off, so 55% off. Once again, use the code MONEYLAP at foursigmatic.com. That's F-O-U-R, like four, and then sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com. Use my lap, get 15% off. It's a deal, Landon. 
Perfect. <laughs> Rock on. <laughs> We're good at that. You, you know? nailed it. We really are. You you nailed it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's good coffee too. I love it. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Oh man. I could use some, right talk some Let's racing? talk about Pocono cuz I don't yeah. think I don't think anybody needed a, a coffee boost to get excited at the end of the race at Pocono. I was just watch my heart was pounding just watching it. It was. It was so there was a ton of strategies happening, which we saw in the Xfinity race as well. Uh, because you ha- it's a place, and I think fans should, should understand this, because you can pit without going a lap down, it can be treated like a road course in a lot of respects, where it opens up the strategy <clears throat> windows. And that's because you, know, you can effectively pit, stay on the lead lap, which when everyone else pits for the s- stages, you know, you'll leapfrog them. Uh, and you can build that into basically saying how few stops can i do this on well for the cup race it was three mm-hmm. um and for the you know the the number that you need to be behind the leader to be able to pit and still fill it with fuel and get off pit road was around 10 to f- and in the cup race it might have been more like 15 seconds um that you could pit and still not lose a lap and so that just opens up the playbook and we saw that through this race but it causes a lot of like turnover in the the field and sort of the track position of everyone and it was it turned into a I thought a very enticing show, but the end, Landon, was the thing everyone was talking about, Denny versus Larson, which uh had everyone booing in the stands. Well it, and Denny pretty much repeated the same move that he had made last year. Um on who was it that he did the move on? He wrecked him. Uh, I think it was Ch- uh, Chastain. Yeah, it's Chastain. And it's just like it's this new move. It's not a new move, but it's it's unique to the next gen car, I would say, um, in terms of how often it's being used. Um, the inside car in the next gen has this tremendous aero advantage over the outside car when the right front tire can get in front of the left front tire. So imagine driver hands here, uh, inside car gets ahead, <clears throat> gets ahead of the outside car uh, just by a little bit it makes the outside car really tight. So then you have a moment in time where you have an aero advantage, you made the outside car tight, and then you have some leverage over them because your car's ahead, and you can try to almost hurt their angle on exit. And to me, the reason this move is almost always ends in some kind of fireworks is because that inside car only retains that advantage for a short amount of time before the advantage flips to the back to the outside car who is going to have a huge momentum uh run off of the outside down the straightaway and will basically retake the position um so you know pretty much denny if he's not going to clear kyle there uh, he has to sort of kill his momentum somehow otherwise kyle's just going to clear him down the back stretch so and it ends up resulting in some kind of contact or, or you know, something. I know Denny's claiming they didn't contact, and maybe they didn't, but well, that's, um, you can essentially just run the guy up the racetrack. Yeah, and that's I want to get into that for a second because I, I actually listened to Denny's podcast on this because uh, every driver has a podcast. Kyle Larson now has a podcast, apparently, by the way, um, which he was, he was talking about yep. this as well. So we, we're, the, the new NASCAR midweek uh, content is everyone goes off into their own podcast, has their own discussion about something. No, we talk to each back, other. Yeah, and then comes back together on the weekends. So we're, we're siloing during the week. You got to make your choices and where you, you get your content. But the um, 
the, the part that's interesting to me is everyone wants to talk about the contact versus no contact. Denny saying they didn't they didn't connect, they didn't touch each other. Obviously, Larson saying, of course they did, and you know, Denny saying it's just arrow. But to me, that's not the really the most interesting part. The most interesting part, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you're going to dive into because we've had this discussion off podcast before, but that is that the inside car has so much leverage in this position that you you mentioned how this hasn't been the case in the past. And one of the biggest things is that this car does not have side force like every other stock car we've raced in the last 20 years, 15 years. And so that, mm-hmm. that inside car is just not as vulnerable to being spun out. Like if he does that in the old car or in the truck or the Xfinity car, if you run that close and, and Kyle's in that position, you're losing the right rear of the car freeing the bottom one. Because the inside you don't car. have the side. Yeah, the inside car. You're going to lose yep. your right rear and yep. hit into him. And that's just how it goes. For whatever reason, we've seen this at yep. Vegas. We saw this running side by side at all these mile and a halfs. They're able to do this because the aero effects of this car are so vastly different than what we've seen in the past. And therefore, you know, the so, touching part is important to me. This is all about the idea that this is changing what we've known as stock car racing. And so for fans who are seeing this, they're like, whoa, you know, that, was, that move is so weird. Whatever. It's like, well, welcome to new next-gen NASCAR. It's an, yeah, it's a new move. So here's, here's maybe the question that everybody wants to know because we could analyze the, the leverage points and why they are what they are. But ultimately, the great debate here is, was that a dirty move or not? And what, what ultimately constitutes a dirty move? Mm-hmm. And uh, as we are unpacking this and discussing this, and this is maybe slightly different than what I thought my opinion would have been an hour ago when I discussed it this morning. I spoke with a cup driver this morning, and um, you and I have actually already talked about it today. I think, I think that Denny... I don't think Denny th- did anything wrong here. Mm-hmm. And I kind of don't think he did anything wrong last year to Ross. I think that maybe I, I, and the reason is, um, he has leverage in that position, right? Yeah. He's not clear. He's not all the way clear on, on Larson, but he, he just has so much leverage over Larson that like, Larson is the one that's at risk. And so, therefore, it's hard for me to say that Denny's doing anything wrong where he put Larson in a position where Larson has the most risk. So, go ahead. Well, maybe I need to kind of continue to unpack it. Like, let's just unpack this through through our conversation. But it's just like, how, um, how did Denny do anything wrong in that position? So right, like if he had yeah. leverage, take use it up. You're racing for the win, and at the end of the day, Larson is the one who has to choose between getting squeezed into the wall. I mean, if Denny just keeps going and and maintains that leverage over him, yeah, I mean he'll squeeze him in the wall and reach reach a point where maybe Denny could get pinched into the wall too. But like, um, you know, I don't think I think Larson pretty much has to lift at some point. And that's the leverage that, that Denny owns, and that's the space that Denny owns there. And, and that's why, you know, Denny's able to make that move and complete that pass. And, and I, think, I think that's why I think he's in the right. Can I ask you – let me ask you a question. In years past, different yep. cars, far more dependent on side force. Kyle yep. rolled in the same situation, but now Kyle 
because it's different cars, they go into that corner like that. But instead of Denny moving up into Kyle, because the next-gen car allows you to do that, in the old car, Kyle goes down to the right rear of Denny, sucks the air off his spoiler, causes him to get loose. Denny wrecks. Kyle goes on to win the race. Is that a dirty move? I mean, how? I guess... I don't know. I think that what I'm trying to, what I'm really reaching for here is, is a, is what is a dirty move, right? Yeah. And it's almost like I'm, I'm making this theory that, that a dirty move is when you don't have leverage over someone for position and you pretty much just wipe them out in order to gain the leverage. Yep. Right. Like, like you right hook somebody or, you know, they're in front of you. They have track position on you. You follow them down to the corner and you just run them over. Right. Like a dirty move is when you had no position to pass them or, or, or minimal position to pass them. Or it was a very narrow, you had a, it was a low percentage move and you just resorted to wrecking them or fencing someone in order to make the move. Yeah. Right. And so, what Denny did to Kyle, I just kind of explained is it's like I don't Denny was not in a low position low percentage position. He was in a very high he was in a very advantageous position over Kyle. Kyle was the one in a low percentage position at that point. The only thing Kyle, you know, needed was for Denny to lose a, lose a little bit of momentum so that he could get back to even with Denny on exit and then enjoy the momentum down the back stretch and clear Denny, right? Mm-hmm. But his time was running out. And ultimately, he, you know, it did run out because he, he ran it into the fence. And there wasn't even any major contact to do it. Now, the one you're talking about is like, I don't think that that's, it's, I don't think it's dirty. It's aggressive, maybe, but it's not dirty. I mean, look at, how, you know, if someone does that to you early in the race, then there's obviously people are going to take it differently because of the aggression level. But, I mean, you look at how tight Jimmy Johnson and Matt Kenseth raced each other for the win at Texas back in 2007. I mean, that was, like, one of the greatest NASCAR races of all time, and those guys were on top of each other Yep. Um, with this exact move that you're talking about. That wasn't dirty. That was just they were just fighting the leverage, you know? Yep, yep. So I think to, to truly figure out, like, f- for all these debates that are maybe happening on social media and in podcasts and whatever, it's like, well, let's define what dirty is. Because it dirty can't just be oh you wrecked him, like well I think you got to go a little deeper than that, and that's why I'm maybe just throwing this out there to say, what if dirty driving is defined as, you know, wrecking someone when you were in a low percentage situation, when you had little chance, when you didn't, when you did not have leverage over your competitor and you wrecked them anyways. Yep. I see that, and I agree that. You know the definition of dirty um, is you know is up for interpretation. I I think your summary summary of it is correct because it's the it's you know there's a bit of intent needed in there as well, right? But it also is like how close were you to actually being in a position to race this person in the this instance? So I haven't really taken a position here yet. Uh, in this instance, I don't think Denny did anything wrong, and. I'm in that category because I've just, as you have, 
watched these races in the last two years in this new car, and I sit there thinking, okay, the game has changed a bit. You know, it's it's this is different than what we've known as stock car racing, where the car on the outside would have so much control, so much power, so much leverage over that bottom car. If you look at the trucks in Xfinity Series right now, all you have to do is watch one yep. of those races a mile and a half and realize how much power that car on the outside has, how much ability they have to completely affect that bottom car. But now this next-gen uh-huh. car, that is not the case. And so it opens this up right now. And I, I, if you want another example of this during the Pocono race, watch Denny and Kevin Harvick with in the third stage, I want to say it was, and, Ke- and Denny was trying to get by Kevin. And uh, Martin Truex was falling behind him. And Denny got so frustrated on the radio because Kevin was squeezing him. But the way this car works, mm-hmm. he couldn't open up the corner. And he wasn't, wasn't squeezing in the way that we get loose in our current cars. It was just not allowing him to open up the corner and to sort of get the run off the corner he needed to eventually get the – and then they could side draft each other down the straightaway and Kevin would just stay side by side with him. And Denny got so angry when he eventually had to get back by behind Kevin. And I'm like – so that's the version of it clean, but the bottom car doesn't come out on top, right? But the bottom car now mm-hmm. does, has the option to do what Denny did, which is that when you're in that side-by-side position, you can creep up and start to take over the power and the leverage over that top car and say, you know what? I'm not taking it anymore. And that's why you've seen this car run side-by-side at Vegas for five laps and Texas and Charlotte. And these races where we're like, wow, this thing's amazing about the house, it's because of that that we're seeing this. And so this to me mm-hmm. is not – it wasn't a dirty move. It wasn't a uh, – I, I don't think there was anything wrong done. I think it's a racing incident. But I think it's an incident that to people looks so different because the nature of this car has changed how you race and what the options are. Is he – you know, if Denny – Well, and I think that – Well, one last thing, one last thing. If Denny was the five – Yep. Would he have gotten out of that car and been like, what the hell, and blah, blah? Absolutely, because that's what Denny does. So, <laughs> Well, sure. And, I mean, no, And there's no problem yeah. with that. Like, you'd be pissed because you didn't win. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I don't think, I'm not that worried about, like, the role, you know, the, the reaction of each driver because, of course, I think Denny is going to be supportive of himself. He's got the trophy, and I think Kyle should be frustrated. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, I just think it's to, if you really want to analyze, and and maybe this is a point too off of what you were just saying, which is a really good point. Is like this is this is a new feature of this car. Like we, obviously, this is a pretty traditional textbook racing move. I mean, I think it's similar to racing moves you see slide jobs and dirt racing and you know sprint car racing and and non wing racing and things like that. Um, but. So it's not a new move. It's just more popular with this next-gen car because of the aero package. And I think the drivers and the fans and the industry are seeing this move over and over again, and we're, start, we're truly learning what the actual leverage points are, where the limits are. Um, you know, and, and so I don't – yeah, I'm not really – I'm not chasing – I don't think there's any sense in chasing people's emotions of like, well, Kyle was pretty pissed and, you know, would Denny be pissed in the same position? It's like, yeah, of course. If you're trying to really understand what's going on in these deals, it's not helpful to try to chase the emotions of the drivers that were in the middle of them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) One last thing. You know how they're really good buddies, right? 
Yeah, they're like golfing buddies and stuff. Yeah, like they're close and they're, I guess, their family, you know, they're, they're, uh, they hang out with their families together and everything. And I was like, huh. <laughs> I just, I always <laughs> find that interesting when drivers who are friends have run ins. You and I have not had that run in, so we don't know how that will work. Like, you know what's funny? Well, it's 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 actually harder on the family members than it is the drivers themselves when mm. this stuff happens. Because I think the drivers being the direct competitors, like we have that innate respect where we get frustrated with each other but we can recover, right? It's the it's like the wives and girlfriends and the family members that I think have a harder time you know, managing like there are friends, but we're mad because this happened and, you know, they get into it. And it, I think that it's, it's hard for them to be, um, at times to separate themselves or be supportive by proxy, I guess, or angry by proxy, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's more difficult to manage those, the, the ups and downs of those relationships for the spouses and the family members that are all friends than it is, um, the drivers. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. It, I, that makes sense. I wouldn't, uh, I haven't really experienced that. I guess I don't, I'm trying to think if I've had like a run in with someone I'm really close with. I, I don't know if I really have. You um, just need to ask Shannon, ask yeah. Shannon, ask Shannon if there's any drivers that she hates. And I guarantee <laughs> you that there, she will have a list of them <laughs> that she's then, just like, Oh yeah, this one driver that wrecked you one time. And you're like, dang, I got over that forever ago like i like that guy he's cool we Wait, talk all the time percent right but like I shannon asked, yeah <laughs> if i asked my mom she'd be like yeah such and such i'm like what i haven't thought about that person in five years yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh yeah i know that my wife and i know that there's like a list of drivers that that are just like nope don't like that guy and it's just like well it's too bad because i got over that like four years ago and him and i are actually cool <laughs> So I think those emotional toils are, are harder on the, uh, the, the spouses and family members. Well, two families that might when be it's having all intertwined. That, yeah. And two families that might be having that discussion are Austin Dillon and Ty Reddick's families after their altercation where Austin Dillon threw his helmet grade a 11 out of 11 throw, by the way, didn't connect with the 45. Well, not really. He missed. Well, no, I know that I'm just it was saying a good throw, but he missed. Yeah. But I'm saying, the throw was like, damn. I mean, he launched the helmet pretty far up the track, but yeah, no, definitely missed the car. So, fail in that sense. Fail in the objective. Of, I was just rating the, the throw <laughs> itself as like that was impressive to throw a helmet that far. So, I mean, it still doesn't beat Tony Stewart's throw at Bristol. I think that was like the all-time best, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's that's right up there. And then that helmet, what went like twenty feet in the air. So. <laughs> uh, oh my that's gosh. interesting for those wondering uh, i do not believe austin dillon's helmet will be used again so <laughs> i don't think whoever his so helmet rider is he he wears awry helmets i think so mm. did did he have the guts to call awry and be like hey i need another helmet <laughs> or do they just order another helmet? Or I mean, I'm sure he's using enough helmets. He could, maybe that's maybe they just probably didn't do anything, and he's just doubt it. But I doubt that helmet is used again. That question was asked. Uh, you know what happens in those scenarios? I doubt that helmet was used again. No, definitely not. Or will be used not. again. I mean, no. There's maybe maybe they can auction it off for charity or something. Um, big news in the 
front of TV ratings, viewership up to 2.808 million people from 2.59 on USA this past weekend. Uh, also, it was the most watched race on cable in two years, I think. And it was uh, wow. NBC is off to the most watched NASCAR Cup Series season since 2018. So great numbers wow. and metrics for NASCAR right now in a very, very crucial and important time period uh, in the renegotiation phase for the TV package of NASCAR. So they're, they're winning on all fronts. And the Chicago race, I can tell you, is easily one of the most important races in this sports uh, last decade probably. And it you know, was a winning event on all fronts. And I think that will have great ramifications for NASCAR in these coming months. So I'd love to know, I'd love to know what NASCAR, you know, the, the smart people that look at more data than we do, what they could attribute this to. Cause it seemed like the first half of the season was a little lackluster. Like mm-hmm. there was some, there were some wins. There were some low points in terms of viewership, um, you know, comparisons, but since NBC has picked up the schedule, it's just been better. It's been pretty good across the board, hasn't it? Yeah, it actually has. And we should shout out Pocono was a sold out camping and sold out crowd and the largest crowd, I think, in 10 years. And I was always done a good job. Yeah, it was absolutely massive. So that was cool. The traffic leaving was was quite representative of the amount of people were there, uh, which I'm always happy about. I'll take that. No problem. But to your point, I think it's multiple things. One, you know, the the NASCAR uh, brass will tell you that Chase Elliott being out for the time period he was removes a, a period of or you know, amount of viewers. Um, you know, I think the, when you look at Chicago and how many people viewed that race and how big it was mid season, I'm sure that has chilling effects, right? It was an exciting show, right? It was a big event. They've always talked about how they've always talked about how big Daytona viewership will have trailing effects throughout the entire season. Yeah. So that's, so that could be another good, like mid season boost. Exactly. And I think you can't discount that, right? And then you've had exciting races, uh, which I think helps as well. Uh, you know, I'd like to pat my friends at NBC on the back and say that they do an incredible broadcast as well. That, it, you know, is, I, we've talked about on yeah, this podcast already the amount of cars that they're covering and the emphasis on that and really treating the sport with respect. And, you know, I think one of the coolest things people have said to me is, you know, when they watch an NBC broadcasts of this sport they're like man it just feels like it matters it feels like this race matters and i think that's the coolest compliment possible so i did see you know and i i still think with the chicago and what's going on i still think we're just entering this phase and what we like to talk about here at the money lap of if you you know if you like cars going in circles with this f1 boom and this f1 popularity boost with how boring, and no offense to F1, I love F1, and everyone's going to be like, oh, he hates F1, people like to say about me on this podcast. I don't. I love it. Um, but, you know, with how basically predictable their season has been, how many of those people saw Chicago because that was different in the street course and something they could relate to Formula One and saw a guy from New Zealand win and thought, huh, I should check out this NASCAR thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know how many are out there, but we see it. Maybe. You know, I'll be – and, like, we're doing – a lot with Money Lap in terms of the news that are we're seeing a, you know, we say it's NASCAR and F1 and all motorsports, and we see a huge amount of interest and a lot of uh, people that fit in different demographics that 
are interested in all of it. So who knows? I think this, you know, yep. maybe the, the, the thesis is playing out that if people, if you got people to like cars going in circles, like F1 cars, we could like them. We could make them like cars going in circles like NASCAR. <laughs> I'm with you. Love it. Um, hey, one thing in the NASCAR world uh, that I saw out there, uh, producer Josh found this, and this is pretty cool. So I think some fans may have noticed the, every car has an onboard camera now in the Cup Series, which has been awesome. And there's been a lot of content that they put awesome. out. Yep. Yeah, after the races, and you just get to finally see these, uh, these uh, things, you know, these different incidents. A fan asked Tim Clark uh, for NASCAR Digital if they could – you know, move those cameras into a, maybe a better position. And Tim responded on Twitter, I'd agree there's improvements to be made on position, but getting these in place for the full field has been a big win. We'll evaluate in the off season. So could be some hope of moving those to even a better position, which is cool, but I love it. Yeah. I thought that, I think they're super cool. Um, Joey Logano. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> speak, speaking of onboard cameras. <laughs> um, so, Joey Logano. So- yeah, he, I, I wouldn't go ahead. You can go through this. Okay. Well, I was just gonna say, Joey. So, I, anybody? Yeah, go ahead. You you do this, and I got a good reaction for it. Or an inter- I have an interesting because you and I haven't talked about this yet. So, all right. So let me give the background. Joey Logano. Uh, did he win stage one? I think he won stage one, or finished second in stage one. I can't remember. Anyway, he. Yeah, he won stage one. That's right. So then he restarts a little deeper in the pack, and on the restart, gets involved in an incident, goes into the outside wall in the turn one, uh, has all four of his tires go flat, which we see in the next gen, and we saw it throughout the Pocono weekend in practice and qualifying, where drivers spin out, they they blow the tires, and then they have to go get towed because this car, you know, the the way these tires are designed um, and the way this car is, it sits on the ground, they can't move. So... Anyway, Joe Logano had an onboard camera, of course, because all the cars have onboard cameras, which are streamed to the NASCAR app. And some, you know, fans, of course, were watching his onboard as he sat there waiting for the, the um, uh, what do you call it? What am I Safety workers. At? Safety workers to come over to his car. As they came over, he's, a, he's telling them that he needs to get towed. And, re- and I think for fans, just imagine being – in Joe's position where you're sitting in this car, it's, you know, finally, it's been really loud for the last hour and a half. You have your helmet, your earplugs in, you might have earpucks within your helmet. Like I do all the cut noise out. Uh, you can't move at all really. Cause you're, you're in that seat so tightly and everything you've got this net. And then here comes this track worker who's wearing headphones and that sort of thing. And they can't hear you. And then you have cars going by under the caution. Well, basically Joey was trying to tell the <laughs> safety workers, I need to be towed to the pits, but they weren't moving fast enough. So he was quoted saying some slightly derogatory things about the safety workers around him, uh, which was very easy to hear on the onboard camera that some fans posted on, on uh, social media, which, you know, just so they understand. And for the safety workers, it's impossible. Anytime you've been in that position, it's almost impossible to have a conversation because we're screaming at each other and everyone's wearing protective hearing stuff while it's very loud <laughs> and you're so, mad and you're mad so just yeah think about how angry you are you're hot it's you just your adrenaline is flying through the roof because you just hit a wall literally not figuratively uh and you know like so <laughs> your, your body's in fight or flight mode 
and now you're just like, come on, help me out, and it's not, you know, it's not happening in a split second, you get very frustrated and angry. I'm not justifying anything. I'm just saying that's what you would be going through as a driver in that time. He was eventually towed, and when he was towed back, this car looked violent because he was still in it. They picked up the rear and dragged the front, and it was like obviously the front suspension was messed up, and it was shaking and bouncing the car so violently. I have to think for about two miles he had one of the worst rides of the weekend <laughs> on top of all that. So I don't know. What would you like to dive into with this? Because um, this is a trend right now. We, well, we don't have to dive into it other than I didn't have some hot take off of it because I watched that video and I more was empathetic because I'm like, I think I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I wasn't really going to draw any attention to myself, any attention to myself over it. Um, and yeah. I can remember a point in my career, I'm trying, I don't know exactly what race it was, but I actually like changed my tune around safety workers because I was angry when I got out of a car one time and I, I don't know what I did, but the safety worker said, you don't gotta be a dick. And I was mm. like, gosh, you're, you're right. <laughs> so, um, well, it's just tough. Cause you get, uh, you get, you, you get in those situations as a driver and you're just pissed. And mm -hmm. so, and especially when it's like for Joey in that scenario, because he's still alive in the race. Like that's why he was freaking out. And so it's like, he's still alive in the race. He just has flat tires. He needs to get towed back to the pits, but he wants to get towed back to the pits as quickly as possible. So he doesn't lose laps. So it's like all of a sudden the safety workers are part of his team. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they're like part of his team. They're part of his crew that has to get him towed and back to pit road ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> and he is screaming at them to make it happen. It was it was fun and entertaining, but I also <laughs> was like, uh, I'm guilty. I've been there as well, and I've never felt worse than that when I think about, you know, they're in those fire-protected suits as well. It's a 1,000 degrees. You know, they're there lots of times volunteering their time at certain places, especially at the road courses, and so it's just like, why am I, you know, like, who am I to be angry at this person? Like, they didn't do anything. They're just doing their job. And I, I had a, earlier this year, I think it was Bristol truck race. I was so livid when I went to the infield care center. And I, I was, you know, I was just very short with the people. And they, I mean, they're just trying to do their job, check you, do the, the you know, the test or whatever. And I just, I, I got the next, like, I almost had, like, that remorse maybe two hours later, my adrenaline calmed down and everything. And I was just felt awful. And I was, I was like, Hey, and I, I think I said yep. the nurse, like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like I, I really, <laughs> I didn't mean to be that way. So it's, we've all done it probably at one point in time, but it's, you don't feel good. And I'm sure Joey, um, you know, has seen that and didn't feel like, you know, anyone deserved those sorts of comments and you know, it's just how it is, but you're in the heat of competition. And I, I did have an in-car camera this weekend. Um, and I, I think it's a nice reminder of like, if those things are in there, they're always on. <laughs> so that's right. And they hear everything. Uh, speaking of almost on or always on Andretti, the Adam <laughs> Stern uh, said that basically um, Andretti is still focused on trying to get an F1, but 
a recent move in NASCAR by its major sponsor, Gainbridge, is indirectly serving as an experimental step into the stock car series for Andretti per people familiar, which we have talked about, right? Which they have, mm. uh, you know, made this sponsorship announcement with Spire and how uh, there is thoughts that that is actually more yep. of a, an ownership move than just a sponsorship move. Uh, so we should see, we'll see if uh, Andretti and NASCAR, or the Andretti name does finally enter NASCAR. Uh, as you may have seen a couple weeks ago at Mid-Ohio, uh, Marco Andretti drove the Spire truck sponsored by Gamebridge in Group 1001. Um, so, you know, kind of adds crescents to those rumors. We'll see. I'm sure it wasn't because Gamebridge just wanted to try out the NASCAR marketing platform. <laughs> well, if they were, they were already <laughs> on Nick Sanchez's truck. So they're one of the partners of Nick Sanchez um, in the Rev Racing program. So I think they've yep. already got their taste there. I don't know if you really need to double up to understand. Um, so I would think, people, you know, per people <laughs> familiar, whoever they are. They're, they're building some relationships. Yeah, these people who are familiar. I like that term, per people familiar. Who are these? Why are they familiar with this? And who are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's move out of NASCAR. Uh, Should we? Let's go to Iowa. Should we go to Iowa? What do you know about wait, wait, Iowa? Yeah, well, that was a that was a tra- that was actually was a good transition, like kind of using Andretti to take us to IndyCar. Yes, and Joseph Newgarden, <laughs> pretty uh, pretty good weekend. Oh my gosh, man, he is he's incredible at that place. He led three hundred and forty one of the five hundred laps in both races, winning both of them. Yeah, I mean that's uh quite domination i could never that's iowa is one track that um i feel like in q trim fully wide open would be pretty <laughs> challenging in an indy car <laughs> with, with the tire fall off um and actually having to lift and you know i, I would imagine indy car is really fun to drive on a short oval where you have to lift mm-hmm. it's got to feel like a, it's got to feel like slick track go-kart racing or something at 200 mm. miles an hour <laughs> yeah i mean that race the thing that gets me is how dominant some cars are at oval races in indycar and how mm-hmm. far some are off and i really think it's because they're on such a fine edge right if you've ever driven indy cars on iRacing yeah or driven oatmeal cars oatmeal cars are very very much on edge and in road courses well, any race car yeah any but those cars are specific are any race car on an edge like that yeah, it's, it means if you're off, though, like you see it where they're just – they go seven laps down, ten laps down, and it's nothing the driver can do. If the car is just too loose and it won't connect, you just have to go slower. Right. And so you can be so far off because you're going so fast, too, that the laps are so short, right? Um, so I think that's a, a point of, like, why this – that just looks so difficult. I will say this. Whenever I watch – like we used to watch Richmond um, in IndyCar. Short ovals to me, I don't know. I, I feel like it looks so cool and it would be so cool to see in person. But sometimes I watch these races on TV and I think like, hmm, like this, it would be hard to race if, that, if you know what I mean. Like they're, they're going so fast in such right. a small space and they can't touch. And so it's just like this is – 
this is hard to race each other sort of thing, if that makes sense. You know what that makes me think of? <laughs> it it makes me think of it makes me think of um RC car racing. Where mm-hmm. like the thought the idea behind RC car racing um on like pan ovals and stuff is really cool like pan cars on ovals like i want i want to see it so cool and the cars are really fast and it seems awesome but then sometimes the racing is just hard to follow and i feel like the best rc car racing is when the cars are actually a lot slower and they can actually race around each other and they're more forgiving that you being basically was just kind of a basically nascar it was like a comparison that came to mind yeah (laughs) yeah yeah stock car racing cars are slower slide around more Slower reaction times, better racing. Yep. Like it. Well, uh, it was a big weekend for New Garden. Aside from just getting the two wins and absolutely dominating, he closed the gap to Alex Pillow, uh for the, basically the first time this year. <laughs> He's done it, and he reduced the lead from 117 points to 80 points. So the championship still up for grabs for Joe New, as uh, Townsend Bell, I think, would say. So we'll see if as that championship battle continues. But congrats to Joe on his dominating Iowa. And Hyvie, by the way, that event, I don't know if you part, like paid attention, but the way they've wrapped that track in temporary stands and the big concerts they do and everything, really an it's incredible awesome. Their activation is so good. Yeah. So really, really cool. Um, Formula One. Hey, guess what? What? Max Verstappen won. What? Yeah, I know. Oh my gosh! Wow, <laughs> it's pretty interesting though. Uh, Lewis got the pole. Yep, and you know, obviously the McLarens are picking up some serious speed, but the Red Bull is just so—they're still half second faster. It's a half a second, and it's—it's. It's, I saw some data on Twitter today. Uh, they're. They're just not falling off. Like there's, they have less tire degradation than anybody else in the field. And so, I mean, the best chance that any of these guys have is in qualifying, which maybe that'll make the sprint races interesting this weekend. Where are they at Belgium this weekend? Mm. I'm not sure. Uh, check that. Um, but I think there's sprint. I think they have a sprint race this weekend. Okay. But uh, uh, but anyways. Yeah, it's like the best chance anybody has is in qualifying. Last couple of weeks, we've seen some close qualifying sessions, a couple tenths here and there, but then ultimately 15, 20 laps in the race, it's clear that Max has a half second advantage. No doubt. And I thought it was really cool qualifying for Lewis Hamilton to get the pole, which I was a little shocked. I was like, okay. Um, but I feel like what you're saying is kind of like what we've done for the last six months, which is try and figure out where their advantage is. But to be honest, it's just about everywhere. When you have half a second, like <laughs> there is no, they're like, oh, well, here's the weakness, yeah. here it is. And it's like, well, is it? Or did they just not tune it up that point for that cor- set of corners? Like it, they just have a massive advantage right now. It's like when uh, there's been times in post-race analysis and NASCAR stuff in my own racing where you will break down the entire field corner by corner and segment by segment. And, you know, it's a good way for drivers to analyze, like, what part of the corner they should prioritize. And sometimes trends will stick out where you're like, oh, here's the fifth place car that, you know, or, or, 
or all the cars in the top five were really good on corner entry, you know, or all the cars in the top five were really good on corner exit or through the middle of the corner. It'll help you kind of identify like next time we go to this track, we should focus on corner entry or we should focus on corner exit. But then sometimes there's like a winning car that, you know, pretty much any race that Kyle Larson won in 2021 <laughs> <laughs> uh, was like, he was the best car on entry, exit, middle, down the straightaway, just the whole thing. <laughs> and so it was like, well, it's kind of hard to analyze that. We just need to be faster. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I love sometimes racing. You know, you have an advantage. You have an advantage. Uh, you were correct, by the way. They're going to Belgium and spa Francorchamps uh, with this sprint race as well. So we'll see if that makes a difference. Uh, Danny Ricardo back. Uh, as as our other buddy Joey would like me to say, Ricky Ardo, he'd be so good excited. News. Good news, good news, bad news, Danny. <laughs> good, good news. Good news bad. is you're two tenths faster than your teammate. <laughs> bad news is you're the two slowest cars on the track. <laughs> but good for him. That had to be a big boost to come in there and be quick like that. I have to think, you know, mentally, yeah. that's going to do wonders for him. Um, and he's oh, just that was just carries confidence through for sure. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, Aston Martin, the opposite of McLaren, losing pace to the field right now, not keeping up the development potentially. Uh, so we'll see if that com- becomes a consistent trend as we go through these summer months. But from what we're seeing, they are falling behind, and the chances of us seeing a Fernando Alonso victory are falling as well. So we'll track that. Um, Big controversy on the podium as well. Lando Norris. <laughs> I saw this. Yeah, he, this was big in the Money Lap newsletter, Monday Highlights. Uh, broke Max Verstappen's trophy by accident. What's that about? Um, so I saw that this is the trophy is like 40,000 euros or something and handmade. Hmm. Um, I mean, it was broke, broke. <laughs> 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 oh gosh well it's broke it's broken and well they're not broke because they're f1 drivers in 2023 so they're making lots of money <laughs> i think they're all doing fine they'll be they'll be just fine so we'll uh look forward to seeing belgium i'm gonna do my best to watch a lot of that again this weekend but we'll see if the if your theory so if you're listening to this and you believe landon's theory that Red Bull could potentially be beat in the sprint race because now it's just tire deg that is their advantage. Let us know on Twitter or send us a message on the Money Lap uh, and be sure to subscribe at themoneylap.com. But I want to know. We're just looking for a way for Red Bull to be beat. Yeah, <laughs> give us a reason why they well, will Well, actually, be beat. you know what? Actually, you know what? I, I'm just rooting for greatness at this point. So mm. I kind of want to see Max win out the rest of the season. Oh I love seeing God. history, baby. You do you think it's possible? I mean, why wouldn't what what's he on? Seven in a row already? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would be Why not? No, I know I know it's I know it's possible. I'm just saying this is you know, nineteen eighty eight was McLaren won fifteen of sixteen races. Uh you had Michael Schumacher and Ferrari. Uh what did they do? What did they do? Um, he hasn't finished worse than second this season. I'm pretty sure. And I'm trying to remember Michael Schumacher's or the Ferrari season. I'm trying to remember the season. We got to get producer Josh. 
on this one. Well, yeah, Perez won a race this year. Was it Baku, right? And then fell off the face of the earth. <laughs> he left. He left everyone. <laughs> oh, he won two. Oh, Perez won two. Saudi Arabia, Azerbaijan. Yeah, Baku and Saudi or Azerbaijan. Saudi Arabia. I mean, they've all look. I can barely keep up my own races this season. Um, I'm at. By the way, <laughs> which, just to give you an example of why, I've, how much racing we're doing, uh, I'm doing this year with 44 races on tap. The most races I've run in the last nine years has been like 16 in a season or 18 maybe max, max maybe 18. Uh, and I'm at like 24 already and it's July. So <laughs> my body, my, my brain doesn't even know where I'm at. Yeah. Those are the best years. Those are, those are the best years though. I love, I love those years where I'm racing a lot. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's fun. It just need some better results, especially on the truck side. Can't, uh, haven't really had a finish this year basically so can't get any worse <laughs> let's um, talk about engines yeah let's talk about we engines. were we were talking about engines way early in money lap and now we're revisiting the va supercars engine program so the tell me about because you know more about these than i do but the v8 supercars they've approved the ford engine change correct so basically they we've talked about their gen 3 car which is their version of the next gen um, more of a spec versioned car. Mm-hmm. And they also have a, unlike what we've done in NASCAR, they also have a more spec sort of engine design between each manufacturer basically has an engine design. Uh, and then uh-huh. one engine's uh, builder is, is working on both. And then the engines basically get randomly assigned to each car of that manufacturer. So Ford for Chevy. And essentially, you either get, if you're a Ford, you just get your Ford engine. If you're Chevy, you get your Chevy engine. But one thing that's been from the start of the year, Ford has complained that they are not uh, aligned with the Chevys and that there's been a, a large discrepancy between them. And they thought for a while it was electronic, so they did some uh, ECU changes and some mapping changes for the Fords. But now they have approved a parity change. Um, and so basically, they're approving this to continue to, you know, uh, try and match up the parity. Um, and it's basically the throttle body. And they're trying to align the throttle bodies between the two engine manufacturers or engines. So we'll see. I mean, Supercars has done this for years where they do this, like, which we do in NASCAR as well, but they've been very public about it, uh, which is this sort of parity testing. And they do these, you know, all these aero test and then they've now doing it with the engines as well and their whole hope is to try and make the cars basically equal right um and so they're just trying they're trying to strive for that right now with this with this gen 3 car and now they've i gone as far as to making an engine change which they had avoided up to this point i love what they're doing i think this is cool i think that the the random draw engines engine builder you know single source engine builder i think that's cool for the team side, um, I understand why they play this parody game, but there's only one way to truly have like fair hardware across the board, and that is for all of it to be the same. Yep. So, it, in my mind, I you know I would happily would be corrected on this from someone more knowledgeable, but it's like. In my mind, the only reason they're playing this game of like Ford has their engine and Chevy has their engine, but then we try to make it equal, which to me is just so 
it's it, you're just playing this game of like these manufacturers where you just don't want to piss them off, right? You're mm-hmm. trying not to you're trying not to alienate some manufacturer that has a huge budget that they're willing to spend in your sport and them have to go back to their executives and say, "Well, I don't need 25 million or 50 million of this money or however much it is, 10 million because the sanctioning body is dictating our engines now." Where if they truly wanted true parity, that's what they would be doing. They would just say all the engines are the same Ford and Chevy. You just change valve covers or you, you know, we just run different bodies on the car. So you have identity, but like who really cares what engines in the car? Cause if we really cared what was en- what engine was in the car and we were doing it for the purpose of engine development, we wouldn't be trying to create parity, right? We would, yep. we would let Ford have a superior engine or Chevy have a superior engine. Cause that's, that is motorsport in terms of development motorsport. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just interesting that like motorsports globally, and we talked about this probably a couple months ago on the podcast. It's like motorsports globally is going down this trend of of spec racing for the purpose of parity, for the purpose of uh, you know equal racing and you know competitive racing for the show, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the manufacturers that are involved are really just extracting the marketing components out of it not necessarily the manufacturing development components out of being in motorsport does that make sense am i right yeah no it does and i i think you really do have two choices and that is you either go the spec route which we have in truck series right where everyone runs the same ilmore engine um and then runs different bodies but every manufacturer every car every truck is running the same engine well you know and then there is some issues there where like you have the well-funded teams that buy you know say 100 engines and they dyno all of them and they take the top 10 percent of them and then the other ones they resell right so like even when you have a single engine supplier if you leave it where they can do what they're doing you know where it's not handed out like supercars does you'll still have teams right. finding an exploit right but my point being you either do that or if you're gonna have such controlled engine specifications you know, you might just want to go down that spec path and stop spending money in something that's not innovative unless, unless, like we've had this discussion, which is like if, you know, say in the NASCAR Cup Series in the next couple of years, it's like, hey, we're going to aim for X, you know, it's the BOP style of IMSA, which is like, hey, you can bring a turbocharged V6, a naturally aspirated V8, a turbocharged V8, you could bring a four-cylinder turbocharged, whatever you want to bring, but here's the parameters that we're going to try and keep you within, right? And that's mm-hmm. that BOP style of allowing different engines and development and that sort of thing, but trying to keep the competition level. So it's, it's funny. You've got those differing ideologies, and there's not really anyone or anywhere that's sort of like, hey, just run what you brought. You know, like WC maybe does that a little bit, Formula 1, slightly obviously in terms of there is within a certain specification that you you know there's development that teams or manufacturers have done over the others but uh i don't think there's really anywhere right now that's just like hey that's let's open it up and they're really i don't think there will be i think that era is is beyond us well it'll come back because (laughs) everything old becomes new again (laughs) it's true that's true so we will 
<laughs> it might take 10 years. It might take 20 years. It might take 50 years. But we will. there will be another era of motorsports where they say, no rules. Run what you brung. <laughs> Probably electric. I always say, it. the thing I always say is, we either have too many rules or not enough. <laughs> Meaning... We either have too many rules. We just it's it's too hard to manage. It's creating you know too much controversy, too many things to to officiate. You know, alienating certain groups or creating you know regulatory moats basically around the existing the legacy teams. Um, we just need to get rid of all the rules, or we don't have enough rules. Meaning, we just need a full on spec racing series where everything is completely outlined to spec and the cars are all built equally and it's up to the driver and the crew chief on race day to dial it in yeah both forms both of those theories i think can create compelling racing product we'll see it's it's uh it's going to continue to be a discussion because i think all race you know these racing series are continually going through and evaluating and trying to keep interest but whatever's happening right now seems to be working for nascar Speaking of which, they are headed to Richmond in the Cup Series, um, which has been a tough one <laughs> in terms of the entertainment category. <laughs> strategy could be open once again. We've seen strategy play out over those uh, the way the tires fall off in yeah. that place, which could be interesting. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Xfinity is going to Road America. So any thoughts on either of those that you want to dive into? Uh, well, Richmond, I mean, one of my favorite racetracks, but man, it's been a snoozer as of lately. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see. Hopefully, you know, we see some good racing. Um, but one thing that I don't feel, I feel like my only confirmation on this is from you, because I don't know how public it's been, but did they move the cup new arrow spoilers front splitter test to Richmond since New Hampshire got rained out? Great point. Yes. So uh, I had, was told at New Hampshire that it was moved to <clears throat> Richmond. So I think it's happening this coming so Monday after Richmond. I am actually more excited about that test being at Richmond than at New Hampshire. Mm. Why is that? I think that'll be interesting. So, um, Well, first of all, I think Richmond has had the worst short track racing um, for a while. And especially in the next gen car, it's been really tough. Um, and I think the track is smooth enough and predictable enough and consistent enough. That's part of the reason why the racing has been just tough because the arrow, you know, the short track arrow package has just been, there's not a lot of variability. Um, even New Hampshire is tough as it is being a short track, like the different banking changes and the traction compound that's, not been reapplied, but still seems to be, you know, affecting the racetrack. That track has had some good racing on it, right? Um, so, but Richmond hasn't. So I think what a better place to test your new aero package than a track that has, you know, seemed to have been struggling with it. Hmm. You definitely are not wrong in saying that it's just been a struggle at in the entertainment of that place. Seal it up. Put sealer on it. Do something. Repave it. I don't know. <laughs> put dirt on it for all I, put dirt on it. there you go let's not put dirt on bristol let's cover richmond in dirt that's the move there's <laughs> that's the big brain move i'm i'm saying i'm leaving it there on that um i think with that richmond man, dirt got it uh watch the firecracker 400 
if you're listening to this on Wednesday, it's tonight, 8 p.m., E-Racers Twitch. Check us out there. Biggest event in sim racing. Uh, someone will walk away with a massive prize pool. And if Alec Martinez can go from the back to the front in the Wits RC Racing Challenge, he will win the Thrustmaster. And win the Thrustmaster Firecracker 400, he will win a massive prize pool um, of over 10000 bucks. So come watch us there. It's going to be a good race. Awesome. See you there. Thank you so much for listening to The Money Lap. Please subscribe and review us on your platform of choice. And be sure to join our newsletter for the best five minutes in motorsports delivered directly to your email inbox every Tuesday and Thursday. And you know what? We love bringing you all this content for free. So what do we ask for? Simply for you to subscribe and to let us know every single thing we are doing wrong. If you want to leave us those sorts of opinions, please go over to YouTube, subscribe there, and leave us comments in the comment sections below the videos. We might just respond. We might put you on the next podcast. Most of all, we just love the feedback, even when it's really mean. Thank you for listening.